Follow community. This podcast is releasing on December 23rd, so it is officially the last podcast of the year. So either you're listening to this as you drive home from another night of Christmas services, or more likely, it's one of the first podcasts you're listening to in 2020. Either way, thanks for listening and helping us get to 37 episodes. What? Crazy. Man, it's been quite a ride. I want to say, as I'm recording this, this is our two-year anniversary of our first podcast launch. So, yeah, look at us. We're still doing it. But if this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, welcome. And our goal is to help technical artists in the local church to become more effective so that our churches can become more effective. Basically, an extension of the Philo Conference all year round. If I'm honest, like most of what we do around here at Philo, the conversations I get to have on this podcast really help me grow as a technical artist. And so I figure if I need them, then maybe it can help others. So basically, I do this so that I can become more effective. And if you can also become more effective as a result, then awesome. It's been fun to talk to some of you and hear about how much the podcast has meant to you. And it's crazy to think about all the different countries represented just of the people that I've talked to. So people in Sweden and Germany, Australia, Canada, even Minnesota. I know that's not really a country, but you know, it's not here anyway. And as we roll into 2020, which is also crazy, uh, we're looking forward to even more great conversations for the podcast. And remember that we'd love your ideas for potential guests and topics. So send us those at philopodcast at philo.org. All right. On today's podcast, we've got Justin Firesheets. He's the production director at Church of the Highlands, which is in Birmingham, Alabama. Well, I mean, it's really all over the state of Alabama, but that church is doing some amazing stuff. A lot of it's fueled by technology and production, which is led by Justin. Great guy. And we actually recorded this conversation the day after Andrew Stone passed away on July 9th. And... Honestly, it took us a long time to sort of get the conversation going. We were both in such shock. And as we were talking, Justin was like, we got to talk about Andrew Stone somehow. And so he really had the idea of getting different people to share their thoughts and feelings and experience with Andrew Stone as sort of a memorial. And so we started with Justin and we recorded some of his thoughts about Andrew Stone on that day. Anyway, Um, If you haven't listened to that episode, it's a pretty good one. It's long, but it's good. Episode number 30, where we sort of combined all those stories into one long podcast. Anyway, I had a great chat with Justin about other things, which is what this podcast is about. So let's get right to the conversation. Welcome to the Philo Podcast with my good friend, Justin Firesheets. Hey, Justin. Hey, Hey, buddy. War Eagle. War Eagle, Uh, that's right. I'm doing that just for you. Thank you. you. There aren't too many people listening who know what the heck that means, and that's just too bad. (laughs) <laughs> okay. It's it's all it's all about you, Tom. And if you are offended, then it probably means you're an Alabama fan, and I'm okay with that. There you go. Well, right. yeah. 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 Probably. Um anyway, uh hey, good to have you on the podcast. Um trying to think uh, how long have we known each other now? Has it been uh I, I, so I think we met it probably about the 2011 time frame. Okay. All right. Um so probably, you know, was that 8 8ish years probably, something yeah, like okay. that. I think I now that you're saying that it seems like I remember maybe meeting you. Uh, I'm imagining at Gurus of Tech, like up near the front of whatever that room was, uh, where we had the main sessions. Yeah, I, I don't remember whether it was at a Gurus or 
whether it was at a uh, like the back when WFX did the big tech director oh, right. panel yeah, for yeah, the yeah. tech leaders free and there were like 15 people up there at one time. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, back in that day. Yeah. Uh, and everybody's was, it, got to say something about mm-hmm. everything yeah, yeah. about every topic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it was something like it was some it was an event type thing uh, uh-huh. at that time. I don't, I don't remember exactly which one, but right a, right around that season is probably when I started doing a lot of networking and really trying to meet a lot of folks. And I think you were back in that era. Okay. All right. Yeah, man. 2011 also doesn't sound like that long ago, but then you do the math and that was yeah. closing in on 10 years that. Yeah. But, but I'll, I'll share for the Philo community. Uh, Todd hasn't aged uh, in those eight <laughs> years. He, he probably looks literally the same now as he did back then. So if we could all be, so, a lot of people don't know Todd that you're actually 77 years old. Right. You, you just look I like you're 27. So well, yeah. You just aged so well. He's got a great skincare uh, regimen. So uh, I think that's what it is. Yeah. I think uh, when Philo uh, stops being effective anymore, we'll go to like some sort of infomercial about the skin care products right. i use that'll be my yeah new, exactly my yeah stay thing. stay young just like todd <laughs> yeah. so why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and then maybe some of your journey on how you got to what you're doing now yeah so i've been on staff at church of the highlands since 2009 so a little over 10 years for me um, for those that may not be familiar we're we're based in birmingham alabama um, and I have been here for uh, about 20 years. When I finished college, I actually started in the sports broadcasting industry. So my background was in radio and TV, um, you know, broadcasting things and doing stuff behind the scenes and so forth. And did that for several years in, in college uh, world and then in minor league baseball uh, oh, of nice. all places. Yeah. Were you announcing so, the games? Uh, yeah. So I, I did uh, three years. I was the public address announcer, you know, the now batting, whatever. Sure. Kids, please don't jump on the dugout, you know, that kind of a thing. Um <laughs> uh, and then I worked uh, for a year full time as the media relations director. So, you know, press releases and stats and website and print publications okay, and, all right. you know, player appearances and all that kind of stuff. And it, it was a lot of fun. Um, but we know we're, we're working for peanuts, literally knowing that your dinner <laughs> that night is going to be peanuts. peanuts that were left over in the concession <laughs> stand, you know. And, and you know, you're, you're having to sell advertising in the off season and make commission. Um, you know, most people will tell you that they they did not get into full-time ministry uh, for the money or okay. to get a raise. Uh-huh. Um, I was probably one of the few that actually did get a raise oh. by going to full-time <laughs> ministry. So my, my my base salary in minor league baseball was a, a little over $19,000 Boom. Uh, a year. Boom. Yeah, I was making millions. Um, I had to it. negotiate up to 19 for my base. Oh, wow. And then so it, it was an opportunity to to get a real job. And I was like, yeah, I, I, you know, okay, sure, whatever. Um, but the interesting thing, so I had been volunteering at Highlands for a while and it had been attending for years in the production uh, manager at the time was a good friend of mine. And he approached me and said, look, I'm thinking about leaving and and going back to our family's home church. And I really think that they're going to want to interview you for this position. Okay. And I remember thinking at first, man, there's no way I could do this. I don't have the experience in this particular industry. I don't have the skill set to do this. I don't have the experience that you do. There's no way that I would be a good fit for this. Uh-huh. And he said, well, listen, just hear him out uh, and just be willing to have the conversation. And so, um, you know, I was approached and, you know, we talked a little bit and I shared some of those same concerns. Look, I don't know that I've got the experience to do what you're looking for. And uh, my boss now, who was interviewing me at the time, He said to me, and I've never forgotten this, he said, I don't expect you to know all the answers. I just need you to know where to go to find the answers. Okay. 
And I thought, well, you know, if that's the expectation, okay, yeah, I mean, I guess I could do this. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you know, you know, one one thing led to another. You know, because uh, again, for a while, I'd, I'd really been ready to find. Honestly, the reason why I was looking to get out of baseball, and and I, I was tired of working that much on something that didn't matter. You okay, know, I wanted sure. to make sure I was doing something that was making a difference. And I had a friend on, you know, friends on staff that were trying to encourage me. Hey, you need to work for the church, you know. And so the door kind of opened. Um, but it's like if 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 I don't have to carry all the pressure to be the smartest guy in the room, you know, that's kind of a freeing perspective, you know. Right. And and I've I've really tried to carry that for the decades since. Is I don't want anybody feel on our team at least, or even other places, people I talk to. I don't want. I, I don't ever think anybody should feel the pressure to always have every answer because nobody's an expert at everything. Right. Right. You know. And and but I think that's one of the mistakes that many of us can make from a leadership standpoint is we assume that because we're the leader, we're the main guy, we've got to be the smartest one in the room. Right. Uh, or if we're not, it's a, a negative reflection on us. It's a sign that we can't solve problems and maybe we're not good at something. So it, it can build up this insecurity kind of a thing. Right. But it's actually the the flip side needs to be true. Like. I need to be able to understand my weaknesses uh, so that I can surround myself with people whose strengths complement my weaknesses. Right, right. So I don't want to feel the pressure to do everything by myself. That'll kill me. Yeah. And I learned that here very quickly. Like the, the speed at which we were moving, it just wasn't sustainable. Like there was no way I could survive if I tried to be the guy doing everything. Right, right. Now was Highlands multi-site at that time? Or was yeah, it? So, yeah. Okay. So at, at that time we had the main location and then three offsite campuses. We okay. had just, just hit 10,000 people on a weekend. Wow. My, my first day was anniversary Sunday. So you talk about starting on a low pressure, low key environment. No, no, no. Like you're getting thrown into the, it's like the equivalent <laughs> of starting on Christmas or Easter, right? Yeah. You know, so there's a lot to manage at that point and, you know, limited staff and so forth. But I had to learn really quickly that I've got to be okay letting stuff go, finding mm. other people that are good at things and being okay with them doing it differently than I would. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I think that's a struggle that many of us face is the delegation empowerment thing is when, if I let somebody else do it, it's not going to be done as, as good as I would do it or it's not the way I would want to do it or blah, blah, blah. It may not be as fast as I would do it, so I might as well just do it all myself instead right. of going behind them. You know, but man, that'll that'll kill you Definitely. with that, that approach. And I had to learn that quickly and I really am glad that I did. And so... Yeah. Those words of wisdom from the hiring process have have continued to play out and hold true in the 10 years since. I think it's so great that your boss gave you those words because I think without them, yeah, you just wonder how how would you have worked it out? And I think most tech people, they, they try to take too much responsibility for everything instead yep. of saying, hey, I don't know the answer. I'll find the answer, but I don't really know it right now instead yep. of saying, yes, yeah, we can do that and then have to figure it out and do it all yourself. Yeah. Or honestly, or we put all of the pressure on ourselves, assuming right. that the expectation is that we do it all ourselves and that we solve every problem. And a lot of times that's not really the expectation. We've just never gotten clarity. And right. so we assume that that's the path. And so we carry all this weight ourselves, all this burden ourselves. We're overworking. We're not eating right. We're not sleeping. We're not spending time at home. We don't have hobbies. We don't have a Sabbath because we think yeah. the expectation is that we do it all ourselves. Right. Uh, and that ends up burning people out. There, there's sure. no wonder why burnout is is so prevalent among technical artists. Yeah. Uh, like In my opinion, trailing only 
senior level pastors from the burnout standpoint, right, yeah. just because of the workload and the expectation and the, and the hours and the exhaustion. And we try to do it all ourselves and we're yeah. not designed to do that. Yeah. Uh, it makes me think about, uh, and I've probably shared this on the podcast before, but when I was just starting out doing tech stuff, I was basically working seven days a week and I loved it. I mean, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. Well, my wife, not such a huge fan. Yeah. And so uh, after a midweek service, I was tearing the stage down. We were meeting in some building. I don't, you know, we're ballroom or wherever we could meet. We were portable. And I was wrapping a cable and I saw my wife sort of make a purposeful walk towards the senior pastor. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is not going to end well. Mm. So I just turned around <laughs> and turned my back to it uh, and yeah. kept wrapping the cable. <laughs> like, I can't watch this. Basically, she kind of read the right act to the senior pastor about how much they were working me, you know, them, those people. Right. And uh, he sort of took it all and listened. And then at the end, he's like, you know what? No one's asking Todd to work this hard. Uh, he needs to be a man and have some boundaries. And that's on him. Mm -hmm. And that was my moment of like, oh, okay. I don't have to say yes to everything. And I need to be, I need to have the guts enough to say this, I can't do this. Yeah. Because I need to go home to my family. Yeah. And, and a lot of it, it's it's good intentions that just get mismanaged. Or like you said, there's no boundaries in place. You know, part of the reason why our industry, like we have so many people that are good at their job, like they love it. They pour themselves into it. They dedicate themselves to learning and improving and getting better and finding resources. And, and it's not just a job for so many. It's a passion yeah. that we feel emotionally connected to and we want to be part of. Yeah. And so it kind of fuels this workaholic tendency, but we don't think of it as work because it's fun and we enjoy it. But sometimes we forget about the collateral damage that we're leaving behind, the, yeah. the family that we're not spending time with, the sleep we're sacrificing, the personal health habits that get neglected, yeah. or honestly, just the fact that, that we're not investing in ourselves the way we should right. uh, spiritually, or even just having other fun hobbies and other things to do. And so all of these things fall by the wayside. Yeah. And then before you know it, you know, we're so far down the road. And now instead of looking at ourselves and realizing that we got ourselves to this point, we need somebody to blame. And so we blame the ministry. We blame the pastor. They're making me do this. Kind of like what, what you're saying, your wife was assuming yeah. that you were there because the church was making you. Yeah. But again, in actuality, we're the ones doing it because we don't have healthy boundaries. And what's something, what started as as innocent and and positively intended has become a very dangerous negative over time. Yeah. And uh, I, I read in a book several years ago, leadership book from a, a pastor, he said that that Satan is just as happy with burnout as he is adultery. Because if, if he can't get you to renounce God, he'll get you to burn out in service to him. Huh. Um, which is so interesting because sometimes we feel like we're pushed to do something, push, 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 push. And at the end of the day, that ends up creating uh, an enemy of this ministry. Like our family resents the church. Right. We resent the church. And so for the enemy, that's a win because yeah. it, it has driven a wedge between us and the ministry, between our family and us, whatever. And it breaks down some of those relationships that were intended to be positive only because we didn't know how to put boundaries in place for ourselves. Right. And, and then it gets to a point where the only, the only thing we know how to do is just quit and we leave the ministry. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's uh, the other thing for me about having other things in your life uh, that you're responsible to, or that you've set up boundaries so that you can participate in is that 
it makes you a better person. Like if I get more sleep, I'm a better person. If I have uh, some hobby that I'm that is taking my mind somewhere off of what I'm doing, there's a chance that my brain will then be freed up to imagine new possibilities for my sure. work. I am a huge Winston Churchill fan, you know, World War II Prime Minister mm -hmm. of Great Britain, and he uh, was a watercolor painter. And so here he is, he's the prime minister of, of Britain during World War II, and he's taking time out to paint. And part of what he says about it is that even when he was not painting, like say he was driving somewhere to the front or you know somewhere, he would notice the colors of a tree and for just five or 10 seconds would think about, oh, I wonder what color I would use to paint that. And those little breaks in his mind helped him give him some space for the other big problems that he was yeah. facing. And it's important, I, you know, you, you kind of touch on a point there, but in our industry, we're not just quote unquote technicians. Yeah. We're, we're creatives. Like we, like some people may not think of themselves as being a, a creative person, you know, in, in a certain context, but we're taking technology and crafting something like we're creating an experience. Yeah. And in order to effectively maximize your creativity, you have to be exposed to different things and get inspiration from different things. And you, you can't only use one muscle in your brain, so to speak, and right. expect every part of your brain to be healthy. Like you have to constantly be touching and flexing different parts of who you are in different environments and being exposed to different things to really bring your maximum potential to the table. And, you know, we, we can't be fully healthy if we don't have a breadth of things in life that we enjoy doing that, that derive us pleasure, because if you've whittled your whole life down to revolving around your job or this particular industry, what happens if this position goes away? The church downsizes right. because of an economic situation or, you know, we're not multi-site anymore. We're going to spin all these other campuses off as autonomous churches and we don't need central support. You know, what happens if this goes away? Right. Well, such a huge part of my identity has been tied to my job now. Now I feel lost. Right. I don't right. know who I am anymore. Yeah. You know, it's like a part of me has died because everything revolved around this particular piece of what I'm doing sure. with my time. And it's not healthy. Do you think it's a function of, as technical artists you've, in the local church, is it is it us? Is it how we're wired that's the issue? Or is this a problem with all kinds of other folks and we're not that unique? I think it's a two-way street. I think we're we're blessed, like anybody would be, that God gave us an inherent gifting and a passion. Like, that's there for a reason. Yeah, like, yeah. it's not an accident that I'm wired a certain way or I'm drawn to certain things. And just as I am passionate and need boundaries on that, people in other areas can be like that too. You know, you can be a, a youth pastor and be so zealous for that and, you know, hanging out with students or whatever that you neglect, you know, your family. Like senior pastors have the same issue. You know, they're doing counseling all the time and, you know, they're helping other people fix relationships while neglecting their own marriage, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. those things can happen in, in any industry. But I think what sometimes lends itself to the danger side for us is because so many technicians, and I realize this is a broad stereotype that may not apply to everybody, but sometimes we have personalities that lend us to wanting to avoid conflict <laughs> or not wanting to rock the boat, or right. I don't feel like I can have a certain conversation with somebody. And so it goes back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago on the expectations front because we are maybe hesitant to approach a senior leader or our boss and ask for clarity or 
or, or have the conversation of, hey, I can't do this in a certain way. I've got to look out for myself. You know, maybe there's an insecurity there or I don't feel like I can have this conversation or I don't feel comfortable with this or I don't want to make it seem like I'm not a team player yeah, yeah. or I don't want to rock the boat or I don't want to be the no guy or I don't want to make it seem like I'm not a problem solver. There's all of these things that can build up that we put on ourselves. Yeah that leads to a weight that can cause the overwork and the burnout. And a lot of that probably could be avoided sometimes if we would just have the conversation, just sit right. down with our boss, with an executive pastor or a senior leader and say, I'm spending a lot of time on things. Is this where my focus needs to be? Right. Is this a priority for you? I'm not healthy. My family's not healthy. I need you to help me put boundaries in place. But sometimes maybe we don't feel like we can do that. Right. And we kind of dig ourselves a little bit of a hole that's difficult to get out of. Yeah, I know for me, I always kind of made an assumption when I was feeling that way that everybody knows how hard I'm working or how hard, how much time it takes to do the things they're asking me to do. And so to have a conversation about it feels somewhat counterproductive because they already know that I'm working too many hours and Right. Whatever. And the reality is that nobody knows what it takes to do what we do. Not at all. Unless you're in it. And you know what? For me, it, I had to get to a place where I realized that, you know, this is the way the body of Christ functions best is that you do your thing that I don't have anything, I don't know anything about, but I know we need it to get the thing done. And you don't know anything about my area, but together we make something that we're creating this environment for people to experience God. And so. Yeah, it takes all kinds, but just because you you don't know what I have to go through unless I tell you and vice versa. Yeah, and people that aren't technical sometimes don't understand all that goes into making it happen. There's just the assumption that you can flick a switch or push a button and it just magically happens that way, right? Yeah. And the internet should always work. And, <laughs> you know, you know, we bought this technology so that it would be reliable. Why is it, you know, why is it shutting down all the time? So sometimes people don't understand certain things, yeah. but then that's where it's, it's on the onus then is on us to be able to communicate those things about, hey, here's the here's the cost in man hours or energy or whatever that leads to doing or maintaining this certain thing. Yeah. Uh, but we have to be able to initiate that conversation. Nobody's going to do it for us. Right, right. Yeah, because nobody knows that it's an issue. Absolutely. Except for us, yeah. Yep. Uh, maybe jumping back to, okay, you started at Church on the Highlands. Uh, you had, did you say two extra campuses besides the main one or three? Well, yeah, we, we had three off-sites at the time, yeah. And so now, now where are things 10 years later? So 10 years later, we have experienced a tremendous amount of growth. So our, our fall attendance, you know, here in the fall is, is for a while is going to consistently, you know, be in the probably the 48 to 50,000 person range per week, uh -huh. 22 campuses now oh, wow. across, across the region. How many of those are uh, permanent locations versus uh, portable? Oh gosh, you're making me do math. Ah. I, I, so like 50%? You don't have no, to be exact. I, I think at this point, you know, there's, there's the broadcast and then we've got, I think seven offsites that are permanent facilities. Uh, our, our model is we'll launch a campus portably and then uh -huh. over time go back and build a permanent facility. So we're working right now on moving another one of those portable campuses into their own and okay. and working on a project, you know, that would come to fruition next year, you know, so we've got some irons in the fire. Um, but we're, we're always, you know, for the foreseeable future going to have more portable campuses than permanent sure, just right. because of cost well, and timing and staffing and, and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. So, but I say, you know, um, now 22 locations across the region, Jesus, is that right? Is that even number? I, th I think that's right. Um, <laughs> because this fall we've launched, 
in Columbus, Georgia, uh, which is our first campus out of the state of Alabama uh-huh. uh, and the first one in a different time zone, which presents its oh, own interesting, challenges right. for programming and so forth. So just barely. Uh, both yep, of so, those things, yeah. Yep, so so that, that's been exciting for us over the last the several weeks and months prepping for that launch. But um, it really is a blessing to be uh, at a church that is continuing to grow and reach people. It has a heart for uh, communities all across our state. Obviously, we're not the only uh, church that has a passion for multi-site, and nor are we the only church that's doing things successfully in our state. There are a lot of churches that are growing, which is fantastic. Right, right. Um, but it really is fun to be part of a process like this day in and day out where you're able to see the tangible impact of, of what you're doing and how you're reaching people. Right, right. Now, have things changed radically from when you started 10 years ago to now? I mean, or is the just more of the same? Yeah, I wouldn't. I, well, I, I think my particular role has changed a lot, um, not from a title standpoint, nor from a hierarchical org chart standpoint. I'm still in the same place I was. Uh Um, But because of the growth of the church, what we oversee and manage as a team has increased and the scale at which we've managed it has also increased, which Uh means my team has increased, which means that what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis has had to change over time. So when, when I started here, um, it was blasphemy to suggest that I spend 30 minutes in a meeting with somebody talking about things. That was, for me, that yeah. was a waste of time. I got stuff to do. Can, can you imagine how much work I could be doing or how many emails I could be sending right now? You know, right, right, right. but now um, <laughs> a majority of what I do is, is the people business. It's, you know, individual uh, coaching or leading people on our team. It's interfacing with people in other departments or campus pastors um, regarding projects or vision or how we can resource and support them better. Uh, it's spending time with of our volunteer, key volunteer leaders or campus leaders to continue developing them and investing in them so that we can help them take their next steps in ministry and develop them as potential staffing options down the road. Um, so a majority of what I do now is people focused. It's not task focused anymore. And so I have really had to grow myself in that world. Uh, and it's been quite a transition when you go from being hands-on all the time and enjoying yeah. that, having that hands-on outlet to now being in a position where that's happening very, very rarely, but it's fulfilling knowing that the whole ministry can function without me. It's not counting on me to survive. Right. You know, yeah, I've, yeah. I've done, I think what, what is a goal for many is to kind of work myself out of a job. So there's there's nothing really that hinges on me having to be in a certain role or a certain position or at a certain place in order to function. Okay. Which is which is great because then it frees me up to not have to worry about how the event's going to get prepped or how Sunday's going to get run or how that gear's going to get troubleshot or managed or cleaned. I don't have to deal with that, which gives me the headspace now to worry about investing in in people and planning our team's long-term growth. Yeah. Well, when you think about 22 campuses and adding more all the time, your, yeah, your job is about how are we going to keep doing this? Uh, yeah. Not how are we going to do one of those campuses and making sure that the amps are working or whatever. Right. So 22 campuses, how do you, how do you keep the standards of excellence or whatever you call them uh, church of the Highlands, like from a production standpoint, how do you make sure that people are having a similar experience at, say the Auburn campus as they are, or the new Columbus campus. Sure. Uh, and, and so, so our vision for the campus process, it, again, it's different than how some other people do. There's no right or wrong. Um, but, but what we strive to accomplish is to have as consistent of an experience as possible 
across the board at our campuses. We want somebody that whatever Highlands campus you show up at, you're going to feel the same and get the same quality of the experience there. And so even though worship is led locally at the campuses, everybody's pretty much playing the same set list. Everybody's using the same jump backs or graphic content. You know, Mm -hmm. we're broadcasting our senior pastor to uh, all of the locations. And so there's not maybe a level of autonomy that some churches have at the campus level to treat them more like independent churches per se. Uh And so for us, then it becomes the idea, like you referenced, how do you try to keep a consistent product? And I think for us, that starts with very clear expectations of what it means to do a Highland service well. Okay. And so that that starts with how we train new people. What are the like if you, if you're going to be a lighting person or you're going to be a lyrics person or you're going to be an audio person or whatever else, what are the things that you have to do in order to be successful in this role? And so we have uh-huh. what we've called training benchmarks okay. for every position at every campus. So that way, regardless of who's training you or what campus you're being trained at, everybody's being trained how to do lyrics the same way everywhere. That way it's a consistent experience. Every lighting person is being trained on the same standards and operations everywhere. So that way it's consistent. And so as we're bringing people on the team, we have to have a clear standard of what we're trying to build them into so that when they're serving on a Sunday, that then helps create a consistent level of experience there. Cause every, everybody's Everybody's doing things the same way. They've been trained the same way. Right, right. But then it becomes the idea of Greg Backus from Life Church was the first guy that, to use this quote. I don't know where he got it from. Probably John Maxwell or Abraham Lincoln, one of the two. <laughs> every quote you see on the internet is from one of those guys, right? Yeah. But it says you can't expect what you don't inspect. Okay. And so for us, if we want to have a level of expectation, it also means that we have to have a relational connection with all of the campuses to make sure that we are a presence at the campuses on a consistent basis to help provide continuing education and coaching and training and feedback and so forth. But it can't be done in a way that when we walk through the door, it becomes, a, oh, great, look, Central's here to tell us all the things that we did wrong. You sure, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we have to be approaching it from an, a, a mindset of when they see us coming, we want them to be excited that we're there. Oh, hey, so-and-so is here. Awesome. Like right, right. we want them to get excited about the relational component first, not the 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 perspective that we're just there to tell them everything that they're doing wrong. Right, right. And so centrally, we have to make sure that we're focusing on building relationships with those campus leaders and teams just as much as we're focusing on are we making sure the equipment is working? Because yeah. when I go to a campus – you know, I, I want to be focused on how can I invest in these people, not how can I correct these people. Right, right. But we have to make sure that we're we're doing that the right way and, and we're knowing the appropriate times to have conversations, when to give feedback and guidance and correction and so forth, you know, because you don't just want to go in guns blazing. Hey, guys, here's a list of all the things that I've noticed you've done <laughs> wrong today. Right? right. Yeah, yeah. So so that that becomes a challenge, too, is managing that interaction so that it's an ongoing and continuous learning and coaching and development process for the people at those campuses. Sure. Now, how, I mean, with 22 campuses, I mean, how do you get to all of them? Or do you have um, yeah, people that are responsible centrally to, for yeah, half of Alabama? And- sure. And, 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 you know, we, we do have central teams that have, you know, different types of responsibilities. Some people are regional and they kind of focus on certain parts of the state, but other people are, 
you know, they're just, Hey, it's been a couple weeks since I've been to campus X. I'm going to go and stop by and, and make sure they're doing okay. So we get, um, and after, uh, every Sunday we get, uh, we, we have a, a web form that people fill out to give us feedback on how services went at the campus for that day, or if there were technical issues. So sometimes that then becomes an open door of, Oh, well, if they had this particular issue, or we noticed this type of a thing, well, then next week, let's try to have somebody there just to kind of, you know, provide any retraining as necessary or sure. help them fix this issue or just show that we're here as a support. We're ready to walk through this problem alongside them. Like we're a partner. We're not expecting them to fix it all themselves and then slap their wrist when they don't get it right. Like we want to walk through this with you. So what can we do as a resource to come help make your experience the best it possibly can be? Yeah. I mean, uh, I just think so much of what we do as tech artists in the local church is about relationship. I mean, yes, we have a task to do, but the task happens inside of relationship. And so yeah. um, for someone to feel supported and loved and cared for and resourced properly, I mean, that's all comes from relationship, not so much. Here's a checklist. Make sure you tick all the boxes. Yeah. Well, because regardless of the area of ministry that somebody's serving in, whether they're in technical arts ministry, whether they're in worship or kids or a parking lot attendance or whatever, everybody has the same inherent desire. I want to be, I want to be, I want to know and be known. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I want to be in relationship with people where I feel like I'm connecting, but I also want to know that they care about me. Uh, and they accept me and I belong here and I matter to them and I'm, I'm making a difference being part of, of what we're doing. And yeah. a lot of times we look at the idea of a technical team. We focus more on the technical than the team. Right, right. Um, but it's just like any other ministry area. Our first responsibility is to make sure that people feel loved and valued and appreciated and encouraged and stewarded for the person they are, not just the skill they bring to the table. Right. But a lot of times when I look at somebody, I see them as a lyrics op or a lighting guy or a stage hand. And the only time I text them or call them is when I need them to do that job, you <laughs> right, know? Right. Yeah. But my first responsibility is to make sure that we're building a team. There's a community of fun and belonging and acceptance and encouragement. And I can pray with you and help walk you through a rough day and, and so forth. Um, but that even ties in with some of the things I was mentioning at the, at, at the start of the podcast is maybe that's not my strength. Okay. Well, I don't get to just blow that off and say, well, because I'm not good at being relational right. or empathetic or compassionate that I don't need to worry about that. Right. No, my team desperately needs that. And if I can't provide that, it's my responsibility to find somebody who can, because otherwise people are going to get burned out or exhausted or frustrated or angry or bitter, and they're going to leave. And right, I'm going to have right very well functioning equipment, but I'm not going to have it to run it. <laughs> right, right. You know, then it's, it is going to be all up to me yeah. because I've run my team off because they didn't know that they mattered. They didn't know right. that we cared about them. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, John Cassetto, uh, says it really well. Like people shouldn't just feel like they're loved. They should actually be loved. And that's, yeah. that's a hard, yeah. As a tech person, as an introvert, that's That can be a hard part of what we're responsible for. But it's on, I mean, arguably the most important part that yeah, we're responsible for. By far. I mean, part of it is you, uh, if the gear doesn't work and you, you know, there's an issue there, but at a certain point, yeah, if, if you, if you're not building a healthy team, then all the equipment in the world won't get you there. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, uh, thanks for making time for us. I know uh, Justin's getting ready for vacation, so you know what that means. Uh, busiest day of his year, which is the day Absolutely. before vacation. So Absolutely. we're going to let you get back to it. And yeah, thanks for joining us. We'll have to have you on uh, some other time. Yeah, this well, thanks good. so much for having me, man. You know, th- this is uh, uh, what you're doing is an incredible ministry uh, for this community. I know there are thousands of people that have been impacted, um, you know, initially through gurus and what, you know, Willow was really able to kind of kick off there, but now through philo and through the the events that you guys do and the podcast and the resources so thank you for putting the time oh, and energy thanks. into doing this because it, it it makes a difference and we'll never know this side of heaven what that impact looks like but i know that there are a lot of people that have been um inspired and uplifted and encouraged mm-hmm. through through this network so thank you for making it such a priority to invest in the lives of so many people it's it's awesome yeah thanks for saying and uh yeah great to have your voice uh join the conversation because i think what you're doing who you are the things that matter to you the way you communicate them so helpful to same thing thousands of people so thanks for making time and absolutely man have a great vacation thanks buddy appreciate it (laughs) yep I love how Justin talks about the transition from him doing things to leading people and from being irritated about having to be in meetings because, man, I got a ton to do. I'm just sitting in this meeting wasting time to realizing that it's really about people and building relationships and, you know, not just the gear. I also love what he was talking about how volunteers want to know and be known and really tech people are no different than just regular people. And while we have a giant task ahead of us in the world of church production, we can't just treat people like solutions to problems that we're trying to solve. And I love kind of how Justin articulated some of that. I also love when he said, you know, I could have tons of highly functioning gear with no one to run it if we ignore the needs of our people, which is so true. doesn't matter how much gear you have or how great it is. If you have, don't have people who know how to do it, it doesn't even matter. So great to have Justin on the podcast. All right, we're just about two months away from the price change on tickets for File Chicago 2020. So yeah, why not sign up now while you're killing time between your Christmas services uh, before your budget resets for the next year. And if you missed out on Philo in Anaheim this past November, we had a great time. Sorry you missed it. It was nice weather for those of you who are in colder parts of the world. Uh, Anyway, you can download the main session talks and many of the breakouts from our time in Anaheim. And these are some great resources to share with your team, listen to together maybe, or just listen on your driving to work. Um, You can go to philo.org slash philo dash resources to see what's there. And while you're there, if you still need a last minute Christmas gift, there's some philo merch you can buy there as well. Anyway, if you like our podcast, subscribe. Whatever platform you use for listening to podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Anyway, give us a review on iTunes. Help us spread the word. You can find us on social media, at Philo Community on Facebook and Instagram, and at Philo Conference on Twitter. Don't forget to send us your feedback and ideas by emailing us at philopodcast at philo.org. Talk to you again in three weeks. In 2020, Happy New Year.